Hey, it's John Williams. If your home struggled to stay warm this winter, then you know it's going to be hot this summer. Maybe it's those old leaky windows and doors. Call Next Door and Window, the company we hired. Right now, you'll get buy one, get one 30% off, plus 18 months of interest-free financing. So call 1-800-NEXT-DOOR right now. That's 1-800-NEXT-DOOR or go to 1-800-NEXTDOOR.COM. Podcasts. It's like radio. But it's not on the radio. Sometimes when you look out there and you see our front seven and you see our secondary and you say to yourself, there's athletes everywhere on the field and it's just a, it's a pleasure to play with those types of guys. Max strips it! My oh my! Khalil Mack, he is unbelievable! WGN Radio presents Hogan Johns. Eddie Jackson for the fifth time in his young career has a touchdown. WGN's Adam Ho. I got a fever. Don't mess with the bull, young man. And the only prescription is more cowbell. And from the athletic, Adam Johns. A symbol of broadcasting excellence. River. Here they are, the Adams. Go Bears! Hogan Johns. Touchdown Bears! The Adams family. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Ernie Scatton coming through with another open. Did you like the Adam's Family movies? The not, remakes, the modern ones. Not really. No? I never got into them. I, I mean, I can't say I don't like I mean, I think I maybe saw one. I, I don't there know. There was two, I believe. I hardly... I mean, I have a memory of seeing one of them, but... Yeah, so the answer to that question is no. I think Joan Cusack was in the second one. Ooh. Adam's Family Values. Yes. Yes, with the baby. Yes, hmm. indeed. The baby did not die. Well, you know, guys, some of our listeners are tired of hearing about movies. <laughs> You've been getting that feedback? Yeah. Some people are angry. Maybe we should ask them about their favorite movies. Talk more football! Uh, here's the thing about that. When there is no football, it's kind of hard to talk about football. The good news for those people who are ready to hear some hardcore football is their hardcore football. I don't know if you'd call it hardcore football, but there was football yesterday at House Hall. There was a football practice uh, actually, the last I was there, I saw it, yeah. two days, yeah, but we were able to watch it yesterday. So we got a ton for you in the show. And it, you know, the thing is, in the past, and I just want to remind some of our listeners uh, of this: in the past, we would take weeks off when there wasn't a whole lot going on. We are making an effort to continue to get you a podcast each and every week, but we're not going to make things up for you. So uh, when there are weeks that are a little bit slower than others, we're going to have some fun, too, because we're allowed to have fun, I think, in life. It yes, doesn't yes. all have to be hardcore football. We have other time. interests outside of football, and we try to show you our personality. What we should do, Adam, is just create lists. Yeah. Because oh, once oh, you have man. a list, oh, man. everybody's going to talk about it. Yeah. Well, and we're going to talk about a list, too. Uh, Joe, that tends to work in, in radio, right? Especially Indeed. sports radio, just to get a list going. Put a list there out we there. Go. Now we're talking. And I'll get the Bears 100 list, which we are going to discuss a little bit. The top five Hogan Johns movies that listeners hate to hear about. <laughs> there we go. Submit, yes. them, submit them on Set Twitter. Them at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Our producer is Joe Romano. You can find him at Joey Joe Rowe. He's in the house. Ain't no crying here, man. No crying. Culture. History. Spaghetti. These are the things of a boot country called Italia. 
Hello, I'm Joe Romano of Romano Tours. For two generations, my family has provided high-quality tours of Italy to people from all over the world, but mostly Long Island and Jersey. Yes, we love Joe Romano. Paisan. Uh, read us at wgnradio.com slash bears. The Athletic and the Athletic app. Subscribe if you haven't already. Why have you not subscribed? What is wrong with you? Do it. Uh, we'll skip the review of Kevin Fishbane's wedding because everybody wants to hear about football. How about that? I had fun. It was a fun wedding. We had fun. You did the horror. Yeah. But not as much as Pat Finley did. Pat Finley was really into that. Um, like, really wanted to be right there in the middle. Him and John Greenberg. Yes. Uh, where, where's our friend Patrick Finley? I've uh, been waiting for it, you it, to it, use that soundbite for so long. Well, well, George, he was in the middle of the dance floor. Yes. Hoisting. One arm. One arm. Yeah. Too? Yeah. yeah. I, I'd never been to a Jewish wedding before. That was my first yeah, time. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And it was very uh, entertaining and enlightening. I like learning about other cultures, and I've never... It was very different than the traditional uh, boilerplate Catholic weddings. Which I'll be going to again this weekend. I uh, stood up in a Jewish wedding. Yeah? Yeah. I wore a yarmulke and all. Mm-hmm. Really? Cool. Yes, sir. But you're a paisan. I am indeed. Yep. Yes, and, and I'm a, a, a universal life church uh, ordained minister. So... Ooh! Wow! Put that in your pipe. And the smoke more it. you know, we learn everything. Something new about you. If you day. need somebody to officiate your wedding, at Joey Joe Rowe, and then he'll book you a, a honeymoon tour to Italy, to that boot country. There you go. <laughs> um, all right, big news before we get into football. I promise this won't take long, but you're going to want to hear about this because I teased it last week. We have another live show coming up. This is different than the past ones we've done at bars, and we're going to have more of those, I promise. Um, but we're, we're coming up with some kind of creative thing to do during the dead month because there is a, a one month of the year, people, where the NFL actually does go away. Uh, and the only news you hear about are bad things, like people getting arrested. Um, and, and that is in between veteran mini camp in the middle of June and then, of course, when training camp starts uh, in mid to late July, that is the six-week dead period. So we wanted to come up with something creative to do, and we are going to have our first, what I hope is annual, uh, so I guess technically people get mad it's the inaugural, uh, Ask Us Anything podcast. Ask Us Anything live podcast. Now, it's going to be different, I said, from bars. We're not going to a bar. This is going to be in our WGN Radio Performance Studio and our brand new studios that opened up last summer. Uh, They're awesome. John, you've seen them. I've been there. Joe, you work there every single day. Uh, Joe will give you a tour of his desk and office. Joe's probably already sick of the studios. I still think they're cool because I'm not in there every day. I'm Uh, not giving a tour of anything, by the way. Okay, so which it, we'll scratch that idea we, off. We've established that there will not be a tour given. We will not get a Joe Romano tour at WGN Radio. You have to go to Italy for that one. All right, so here's the deal. This is going to be Wednesday, June 26th. It is an exclusive event. This is not just show up at the bar and everyone can come. Again, we will do more of those. We are going to give away spots for this because there is a limited amount of space in the performance studio. And this isn't so you're going to be able to be a part of the live podcast. And literally, this is going to be our first ever ask us anything. It does not have to be about football. We will talk about football if you ask us about football, but you can ask us about anything. 
Like movies you don't like. Kevin Fishbane's wedding. Yes. We'll give you some stories. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, we're going there. You can, uh, technically, you can ask Joe Romano for a tour. He'll say no, but you can ask him anything as well. Here's a little tease. There are two media members who got up and sang to the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. That's, Kevin Fishbane's wedding. Yes. That's accurate. Yes. Yes. We're not going to say who. No. Ask us anything. Wait, wait. Two that sang or only two that didn't? Because that's what I want to know. Why why weren't there more? The the, the rest of us... Thank you, Joe. (laughs) The rest of us stared and mocked. Yeah. That's what we did. All right. Well, I got a text on uh, Sunday, early Sunday morning, that said uh, one of the bride's favorite parts of the wedding was when... Adam Hogue and Krista Hogue. Well, you're giving away the ask me anything. Well, that's fine. Well, you don't have to wait. You're six defending yourself. I am defending myself. I apparently you made want... the bride's night by doing that. Oh, so how about that? <laughs> Sorry. I'll take all the credit. Sorry, Kev. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Come on. I'm trying to plug something here that's cool. Uh, Wednesday, June 26th. We have th- this is tw- there's basically 24 spots. Okay, we're going to give away 12 spots because we want you to be able to bring a guest. The way this is going to work, remember that good old voicemail line, 312-222-5050. We're going to give three spots away. Again, if you win, you will be able to bring a guest. But three spots away each of the next four episodes of the podcast. Uh, And that is going to fill the room for this exclusive Ask Us Anything podcast at WGN Radio on Wednesday, June 26th. I cannot stress enough, though. If you can't go on Wednesday, June 26th, do not try to win the tickets, okay? It doesn't do any of us any good. No. It creates more problems for us. Uh, you can't sell them on StubHub or anything like that, so there's really no point uh, in trying to get them. So, uh, but if you can come, we want you to come. So here's how we're going to do that. This week, again, three spots available. You call our voicemail line, 312-222-5050. To answer this question for this week, What was the name of the weekly segment we used to do in honor of a former Bears head coach? This one's going to reward our past, you know, the listeners have been around the longest. The longest. And it's not that hard of a question if you used to, you know, if you listened two, three years ago. I hope you make them harder as we go. Well, see, here's the thing. We also want to reward some of our newer listeners. We want to give this open to everybody. So the questions will change each and every week. But for this week, 312-222-5050. 312-222-5050. The first, we are able to track how the voicemails come in. Um, and and the first three people to call in with the correct answer, again, what was the name of the segment, the weekly segment we used to do in honor of a former Bears head coach? That is the question. You get the answer right. If you're one of the first three people to leave a voicemail on our voicemail line, again, 312-222-5050, you will earn a spot at our first ever Ask Us Anything podcast on Wednesday, June 26th. And this will include, get to look at the studios. Uh, There's a rumor going around. There might be some beverages available. We'll mingle. We'll talk. We'll have some fun. And then we'll also record the podcast. So it should be a fun night uh, over at WGN Radio, downtown Chicago. Cool? I'll be there. You will be there. (laughs) Joe will be there. We'll make Ernie come too. Ernie will come up with special open. He'll be. We need an engineer actually in that studio so he can be there. There we go. Uh, all right, let's talk some football. I know everybody wants to talk football. Finally, and we do too. Uh, OTAs have started, which 
basically means practices have begun. For the past month or so, they've been able to get out there on the field, do things, but really not get coached. Can't have any hands-on coaching during the first phase of of uh, the off-season program. So you have meetings, you do lifting, you do things like that. Uh, the players can go out there. Trubisky can work with his receivers, things like that. But you can't have coaching out there on the field. So now you're able to have real live practices. There's no pads. It's still technically voluntary. Uh, although the Bears' attendance seemed to be pretty much perfect yesterday. Yeah, all the important players yeah. were there. It wasn't completely 100%, but um, nobody missing of really of any note. So uh, reactions to OTAs. Any giant takeaway? For me, Johns, it was first and foremost, the first thing I do, the first OTA that's open to us every year is make sure everyone's at the position they're supposed to be at. Any big changes? I thought that was notable. Uh, the one that was most notable yesterday was one we've talked about for months. We basically said last week, it sounds like it's pretty much a done deal already. James Daniels, Cody Whitehair switching. Daniels at center, Whitehair at left guard. Yes, I don't think they're going to turn back from this. Just based off what we saw, I know it's just one OTA practice. It could be different next week when we get out there. But usually when you go down this path, you don't turn back. This is what they've always wanted. I think last year... You had a lot of moving pieces in terms of the, the center, Trubisky, all that, all that stuff. I, I, I get it. But you're going to have James Daniels being your starting center for the Chicago Bears this year. Yeah, I remember talking about this in August of last year when White Hair was having those snap issues. Um, the thing you got to remember, and you still got to remember as we talk about Trubisky here in a moment too, is they it was like a rookie year for all these guys. Yes. Um, and it actually was James Daniels' rookie year. So he's, and he was really young, drafted at 20. So uh, he was coming in here, and I just, I, I just don't think they want to put too much on his plate. There's a, center's got to do a lot. It was my opinion that center was his best position coming out, and that's where he should be. And I, I was probably guilty, too, of wanting to rush him in there. Uh, and the Bears decided, hey, look, it, Daniels, remember, he didn't start at the beginning of the season. He was rotating. He was rotating with Eric Cush. And it took a while before Daniels really solidified that spot at left guard. And you can't have rotating centers when Trubisky's learning the first you know, first year in this offense and has so much on his plate. You want that stability. So this is the time to do it in the offseason. And it seems like that's happening. Uh, and unless it's there's some kind of disaster in the preseason where one of those two guys just can't block anymore, which... Again, I think James Daniels is a, meant to be a center. Mm-hmm. So I think this is going to be better off for everyone. He's still really young. He got a chance to have a battery there of James Daniels and Mitch Trubisky for a really long and time. And this is by no means... Look, Cody Whitehair is still an important part of that offensive line. He's, he's a stalwart, a long-term stalwart, a guy who should get a second contract before we get to training camp. If not before the start of the season. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's going to happen. The guy played offensive tackle at Kansas State. Mm-hmm. This was your starting left guard. I forget who got who got hurt who got hurt that year. Heronis Grisu, your yeah. guy, oh, my guy, your guy tore his ACL at Family Fest. It's white hair, yeah, yeah. White hair gets stepped has to step in at center. So he's admirably handled a lot of different things thrown at him. Guard was always, at least in the Bears' projections, his most natural position at the NFL level. Now we get to see what he can be in a position that the Bears always projected him to be in. But this this position change should not be an indictment of what Cody Whitehair 
has done. No, I don't think it is at all. I think it's it's being patient and waiting for the right time to get these guys both in their most natural position. And uh, and I, I agree with you. I don't think there's any turning back here unless there's a big problem or there's a big injury. You know, like let's say James Daniels goes down and they're having trouble with, uh, you know, okay, Ted Larson's here. Ted Larson, they might decide is better at guard than center. That might move Whitehair back to center. Yeah. They know he can do it. That kind of versatility, uh, actually, instead of making this any kind of negative thing on Whitehair, it actually adds value. Yeah. It, it, as they go to the, as they're probably already starting contract negotiations, and if they haven't, they will soon uh, for an extension for Whitehair. That should all be a, right. a, a, one, now, now, one of the now, pros for him. Now, this does change negotiations a bit. The Your comparison in terms of contracts will be a bit different between guard and center, and the guy's played center his entire career. So yeah. it, it, it will be different in terms of how that negotiation plays out. Well, he's out played now. some guard, too. Yeah, yeah. A little Not bit. as much. Yeah, yes. He even played some guard last year. So. Um, but that's the to me the biggest one. We expected that, and uh, that's what we saw yesterday. So that was no surprise at all. There were some uh, other minor actual position group changes. How about Bradley's soul as a tight end now? I mean, he's listed as a tight end. He's changed his number. He is a tight end now. He's working with the tight ends. He is no longer the Bears' swing tackle now. That could change, I guess, again, based on injuries. Things could happen. I think part of the reason why they like him, he's not, gonna, he's not they're not moving him to tight end to be Rob Gronkowski. Okay, let's be clear about that. Are you sure? <laughs> he's going to be. Are you sure? He's going to be. Now, he, well, it was a great touchdown catch he had against the Rams. Great dance. You know, Santa Slay. Yeah. All the way. Better dance, yes. Um, But he's, he's basically in there to fill a minor blocking I don't want to call it minor but there's certain situations where you want to have the extra blocking tight end extra offensive lineman out there he can do that now yes it helps you and he'll be eligible to catch look, a look, Santa Slay pass yeah 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 absolutely look Taekwondo Mazel is another guy who switched positions were you going to get to your guy Sherrick my guy our guy Sherrick yeah. Manis yep. as well we've, we've had some position changes typically I, I think switches like DeAndre Hall in the past, when he went from cornerback to safety, I'm like, oh, this this is not going to be good. They're trying to find something. Maybe he's a natural fit there. Who knows? More often than not, it doesn't always work. right? You're trying to find a position for a positionless player. But but this is a bit different. It's, it's like they're creating a different role for Bradley Soul. Now, this sounds odd because he was your swing tackle last year, but obviously Matt Nagy's system is so multiple, so versatile, so different than what we've ever seen here with the Bears, that there could be a role for a guy like this in terms of some power schemes, whatever. I think I'm more open-minded to what Soul can bring and him staying potentially on the roster, 53-man roster in this capacity, as opposed to your Taekwon Mazels, who went from running back to receiver. Right. Yeah. And, and it seemed like, now he's going to have to earn it, but it already seemed, looking at the depth chart, like Rashad Coward, who's been very slowly developed here, and somebody that kept last year that they like, um, could step up in that role as a swing tackle this year. So I think this all goes hands in, hand in hand. Let's also remember it's May. Things change. We'll have a much better idea of all this stuff when the pads go on. I'm not going to lie. My first reaction of watching Bradley Soul run through the tight end position drills yesterday 
He no, he had one pass lasered at him, and you're like, oh. Yeah, he didn't, yeah. Really, he didn't he, look as fluid as the other time. No, no, like that was not a Santa Slay-type <laughs> success right there. But he did make a one-handed catch. I, I think we're allowed to he can say that. Yeah, yeah, he made a one-handed catch, and some of the guys went nuts for him. But, yeah, we'll see how this plays out. We'll see is how it, it plays out. Sorry, ahead, is Joe. it possible that he's still you know a swing tackle type? That is wearing a different number to make it easier or like quicker. You know, now he doesn't have to go into the referee and say, "Hey, I'm eligible," and then go over the speakers and say, "Hey, watch out for this guy." Basically, like, is there, is there any tactical or strategic advantage to making a, ty- a tackle, quote unquote, a tight end just because now he's not wearing one of those numbers? Well, I'm sure there's some gamemanship. Look, look, these teams are always looking for an advantage over other teams. Look, I just saw a play on Twitter where someone was breaking down. I think it was Ted Nguyen, our athletic film analyst, going over some of the Patriots' film. And they ran this play uh, with Trent Brown and Rob Gronkowski, where Rob Gronkowski was covered in, in man coverage. The guy was right above him, and he was a three-point stance. So he ran his route inside of the left tackle. Right, It was a play-action play, so Trent Brown actually goes and takes out the guy in man coverage on Rob Gronkowski. He comes underneath and runs... An uncovered route down the seam. Big game for the Patriots against the Chiefs. So, yes, there, there's always gamemanship and things going on, especially with guys like Matt Nagy who are so creative. I think I remember seeing that. Was that recent? Or I think it was in the playoffs, yeah. Some, yeah, someone ran that tape. Back, maybe it was back in their playoffs because I remember that specific technique that they were running or scheme that they were running. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, well, look, I, I I think the more versatile you can be, the better chance you have when you're not a starter to stick on the roster. So, you know, with Taquan Mizell, we'll see about this one. I think that's just a numbers game where he was clearly, uh, you know, going to be out with the amount of running backs they signed and drafted. Uh, yes, that's, that's what I mean. When you get to these, like the yeah. DeAndre Hall was that. Once so, you get to the numbers game here. I think Mizell's trying to show that maybe he can be one of these guys that can take a ball out of the backfield, run a route too. So he's with the wide receivers now. The one... The one that's very interesting to me is on defense that wasn't actually announced or tweeted by the Bears yesterday. We're, we're standing there watching practice, and I'm like, wait a minute. Sherrick McManus is not lined up in the slot. He's, he's lined up as a safety right now. He's one of the two safeties on the field. Uh, and this is very interesting to me because, I, and actually I brought this up last week on the pod, is he in any, as we were going through the depth chart, is he in any danger of getting cut because he's on the last year of his deal, they just they signed Buster Screen, they drafted Duke Shelley, um, but he's still so valuable on special teams. I don't think he's a guy the Bears are looking to cut. Otherwise, he wouldn't be here right now. But his salary's not guaranteed at this point, so I view this as a great move by him because the Bears need more depth at safety. I mean, the backup safeties right now are Deion Bush and DeAndre Houston Carson. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bush, I think, showed he can play. He filled in for Jackson okay in the playoffs. I don't know about DeAndre Houston Carson, though, as a guy you definitely want out there playing if one or two starting safeties go He down. also has durability problems. Right. So for me, if McManus can show he can play safety, well, now you got a guy who's an ace special teamer. He can give you depth at corner. Now he can also give you depth at safety. And by the way, he wasn't working exclusively at safety. He was also working in the nickel. Um, so it's interesting. Well, well, as you know, I just did a, a long story yeah. with Sherrick McManus because he's the longest tenured Bears player, going from Lovey Smith 
to Mark Trespin to John Fox to Matt Nagy. He's the only player to play for all four coaches. It's, it's unbelievable to think, but he's the only guy on the roster to make make it through all four of them. You can read this at The Athletic. Yes, please check it out if you haven't yet. And one of the things he told me, he goes, you know the saying, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? I don't believe in it. Does not believe in it whatsoever. He goes, I'm always learning every single year. And that's one thing he would impart on younger guys. Always try to learn. Always have an open mind. Be conscious of the learning, too. So for him to go from cornerback, you know, be, to become a special teamer, then cornerback, nickelback, to be moved around the defensive backfield, that's an, an old dog learning new tricks. And we just saw it in the first day of OTAs with him at safety. Uh, so I had a chance to talk to Sherrick after practice. I caught up with him just to... Um, you guys are old Northwestern friends, right? Old Northwestern friends. Yes. You, could, you could, I guess so. I guess so. Go get. Look, my Sharpie's in purple right here on the notepad. Uh, Sherrick McMahon has caught up with him after practice to discuss this uh, switch to safety, which I was not expecting to see yesterday. Did I see you playing safety today? Yes, sir. So what went into that? Uh, just, you know, trying to do everything, you know, get involved with a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know, the more you can do, you know, the better better it is for you and also the team. So, was that your, Yeah, was that your idea or the coach's idea? Uh, it was just something we just kind of been developing over the probably the last, you know, since last year, you know, just trying to learn more. And, you know, that's uh, – that's where I'm at right now. It still seems like you're doing some nickel, too. Are you trying yeah. to just yeah, be able to do everything? Exactly. Because, you that's, know, special teams are still huge. Yeah, uh, you know, that's a big thing uh, with just team anyways, just knowing how, you know, what every position does and um, being able to execute helps you execute your job a little bit better. So it's definitely helping me, you know, become a better player. How much did uh, the acquisitions of a buster screen and then they, they go out and they draft Duke Shelley, too, did that play any role in this, or was this already a movement before that? I can't call it, you know. I'm not. I'm not really sure of uh, how they were thinking, um, but you know that is what it is, and uh, we just we just keep rolling, man. So what's it been like on defense so far? I mean, a lot of same same faces out there, but yeah, but man. new coaches. Yeah, it definitely. It feels good, man. It's a lot of excitement out there. People having fun, and uh, we're focused on you know getting our jobs done and winning each play. You know, it's kind of carrying over from the success, some of the success that we had last year, and uh, we're just trying to keep it going. Keep it going. We're gonna get a chance to talk to Deshay Townsend later for the first time. Uh, yeah. What's he been like so far as a coach? Man, he's a great coach, man. Very detailed. Um, communicates very well and uh, always willing to answer questions and uh, so far so good. So your, your spot on defense playing the slot corner you've been doing that mm-hmm. for so long what yeah. what about your game makes you think that you know the safety can be a, a spot that works for you? Um, just the more I know you know what I mean I feel like the more I know the better I will be as a player uh, being able to play nickel um, is very similar at times to you know other positions and uh, different techniques that you have to use so transitioning kind of into a safety position um, it's kind of helped me uh, figure out how to play that yeah, and you, you seem to be a guy that would have the range to go sideline to sideline. It's just yeah. a matter of uh, getting those reps of having to come downhill sometimes. Although, I mean, that's got to be there's got to be some similarities to when you're chasing somebody down on special teams too, in terms of coming downhill and tackling somebody. Yeah, just I mean, as long as I'm still running well and uh, moving well, which I like to think I am, um, you know, you just continue to learn your technique, and then 
you know, as the plays come, you'll be able to adjust and adapt and make some plays out there. So that's all I'm trying to focus on is learning my job and, you know, then it'll come natural. So to your point earlier, John's about learning new things. You heard Sherrick there talking about that. I mean, he, that's what he wants to do. Yep. He, he, a lot of it's versatility and value to the team. Uh, to ensure your job safety, sure, but he's also learning. And I was just observing him out there on the practice field yesterday, and you know, it looked like he's trying to call out plays and things like that, doing the job of the of the safety. And so again, I mean, this is a backup role, but I think it does increase his value and chances of of sticking around uh, when when things get dicey here in the preseason. Well, you've already seen his the, the other special teamers. Your Sam Machos, Josh Bellamy's, and Benny Cunningham's get replaced. They're not here. He's the most experienced four-phase special teamer. So he already has massive importance in, in that role. But the more he can provide the team. Yes, that's, that's why he's in his 10th year. That's why he's gone from Lovey Smith to Matt Nagy and everything in between. He's been able to play multiple positions. He's got value. Yeah. So those are the big position switches that we wanted to talk about. Got a ton of... All- Additional audio to get to you. We had a chance to talk to the defensive assistants for the first time. Remember, this coaching staff completely, uh, other than Jay Rogers and um, the promotion of Sean Desai, who you and I had a chance to talk to yesterday. We'll bring you that conversation yep. coming up. Um, there's a lot to get to. So I and, I and feedback from us doing this in the past with the assistants has been very positive from our listeners. So I wanted to give... Uh, you guys a chance to hear from these new assistants. Before we get to that, though, uh, let's let's tackle the offense and the defense, things we saw in the first OTA practices. One of the things that stood out to me right away is Mitch Trubisky. Not necessarily anything he did throwing the ball or anything like that. He was way more vocal than I remember him. Uh, way, just looked more comfortable. He already emerged last year. It was a pretty early observation we had in training camp that he clearly was the captain, the leader of the team. Uh, but now he's really walking around out there on the practice field, shouting things out. They're looking to him to do that. He looks like a franchise quarterback in how he his demeanor on the field, his confidence on the field. Yes. What did, are you going to play the Nagy audio? Yeah. What did he say? I got it right I, here. I play it. Let's do it. Let's do it. To me, the growth right now that's just really neat to see is his ability to come out here and take, you know, last year I kept talking about one-on-one. Now, without a doubt, I can say with pure conviction, we're in 202 right now. And, and he's... I don't even need that. We don't need to have a live game to see mentally where he's at with calling the plays, where he's at with. I mean, he's doing things in the last two days that that at this year, last year at this time, he wasn't even close to. So that's exciting. By the way, get used to plenty of train noises. Yes, if we keep doing interviews back there, we're, we're gonna have to come up with a drop. But the, the trains yesterday were just nonstop. Incessant. Yeah. Yes. yes. Freight trains, Amtrak trains, Metro trains. You know, we have this running joke, or we used to have this running joke. Every time we used to see the helicopter or, or the private jet yeah. go over Hallis, oh, there goes Ted Thompson, spying on the Bears again. That's why they're so good up and up north. But literally, you could sit on the Metro train if you really needed to and see the Bears practice. You could. Now you're going by fast, and you know, I don't want to put alarm bells up that the trees aren't in full bloom yet. But uh, yeah, the trains do go by awfully close. I've imag- I have to imagine those trees will grow in uh, fuller and more and more years go by. Yes, I, I don't think. Did you ever see the pictures of the Steelers practice facility where they literally have like the giant garbage bags hanging 
right? Oh, to block really? like an office building nearby. Now that's just ugly and stupid, right? Then move your facility. At least the bears here, they're in the woods. Uh, I think there's like some law in Lake Forest where they have to like every tree removed, they have to plant more. So, you know, some, what are, what are they called? Some conifers, conifers are going up. The pine trees. Oh, okay. I didn't. I, Joe, did you know did, what the hell he was talking did, about? The needles. I did not. I had no idea what that was. Christmas about. trees, fellas. Oh, okay. Well, that's a anyway. Yes, that's a word I know. To go back to your point about Mr. Trubisky, it should be different. It should feel different. I think it's going to look different. High hopes. Well, the the confidence. Just think about everything he's going through at this time last year. They they do the install in these meetings. I talked about earlier the off season program. So new receivers. You know, they new had coaching the playbook, yeah. but then they had installation and meetings. But then this week of OTAs last year was the first time they got out there on the field and were calling all this out and going through the process. Now he's done it for And they purposely overloaded him at times. Right. At various points. Early OTAs, at camp, they tested him throughout with over-information. Too much information. And look, I know people are still torn on him. He's still a very polarizing figure. But the statistical season he put together last year is the best ever from a Bears quarterback. Let's just leave that out there. That's crazy to think about. But let's just leave that out there. His more passer on, rating. More on that later in our Bears 100 his talk. His passer rating in his second season with the Bears, first in the new offense, was better than anything Jake Cutler ever had in his time here with the Bears. Just going to throw that out there again. Just right. Yeah, just throwing it in the line. And that was in a brand new system going through yes. everything for the yeah. first time. So yes. to Nagy's point about this being 202, just think about it from Trubisky's standpoint. Now he knows the offense. Now he knows what's supposed to be called. Now he's the guy out there running this. And so we should have seen him yesterday telling guys, hey, you're supposed to be here. Hey, you're over here. That's just things that he was all learning for the first time last season. And I just thought, like, I'm not just bringing this up like it's, uh, this is how it should be. Right? Okay, I'm, I'm not... I don't think we're trying to give him too much credit here, but it's just clearly was an observation yeah. yesterday yeah, you know, of my own. So I was glad that Nagy said this um, because it was it was all right there in front yeah, of us. One observation. Of, I was standing over by the, the defensive field for a little bit, and I don't think I'm giving him too much away, but there was a play, a throw that I saw that he completed yesterday that he often overthrew or used to really make fans mad with, with overthrowing last year, that he hit on the money. Perfect stride. I know it's practice. I know everybody's in shorts. Just saying, me, as a reporter who has been to practices, camps, who went to every game last year, seeing that, you're like, oh, okay. Okay. Something's coming. Here we go. Yeah, I, th- I think... Um now, he's got to do it, but I think the signs are there for him to, to break out more this season. So... Uh, but we'll get a better idea as these practices continue and training camp happens. We'll be able to look at these things and uh, and see whether or not that progress is being made. I also uh, thought Chuck Pagano's thoughts on Trubisky yesterday were interesting. He was at, and this is a defensive coach, but a guy that used to be a head coach with Andrew Luck in Indianapolis. Uh, but Chuck Pagano was asked about Trubisky, and this is what he had to say. I like Mitch. You know, and and Mitch is uh, Mitch is a really good leader. Uh, Mitch is a smart guy. Uh, Mitch uh, puts a tremendous amount of time in. Uh, like Danny on the on the defensive side, that signal caller, he's he's really the first guy in the building and the last to leave. 
Um, he does a great job. You can tell, you know, having not been through the offseason from a year ago and really don't have a comparison of, of where he's at today compared to, to last year at this time and picking up the system and things, I just can tell from an efficiency standpoint, accuracy standpoint, arm talent, you know, he can make all the throws. Um, he's making great decisions out here. Um, he's getting the ball in the open receivers again. So um, it looks like he's, you know, really comfortable uh, with the system right now and where he's at and only going to get better. So stuff that, you know, I value Pagano's opinion on the thing too. And yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, I mean, not only his experiences, but like he had a year off of football last year, did he not? Chuck? Yeah. Yeah, and he's referenced numerous times about how much football he watched. Exactly. And how impressed he was with the Bears. Yes. Specifically, as he watched, not only their defense, which now he's coaching, but their offense that he was trying to learn about. Yes, yes, uh, because yes. As these offenses become more and more advanced with RPOs, coaches are studying this. Yes. So Matt Nagy became a pretty good test subject last year for coaches that were sitting yes. on the couch Vic, trying to learn about the future. Vic Fangio at Donatel said that all the time last year. They needed this. We needed this in order to, to be better prepared for what some of these offenses are attacking us with now. We needed it. Well, Chuck Pagano is the next guy I want to talk about here. Uh, and Chuck Pagano is taking over for that guy you just mentioned, Vic Fangio. Prince of Mukamara was asked yesterday uh, basically to compare Pagano to Fangio, what he's seen so far from his new defensive coordinator. My natural reaction is to compare him to who we had before, and I feel like he's uh, he's very similar to to, uh, to Coach Vic, and um, came in with a lot of intensity. And I mean, you got to understand, uh, he was he was out he was out for football um, for, for some time, and um, he doesn't seem like he doesn't seem like he's he's missed a step, and he has all of our guys' respect. He can sit down and talk to any of us, and he definitely uh, definitely shows. Uh, I would probably say he shows a tad bit more personality <laughs> than. Um, than than Vic, but um, but he's been he's been great. My thing for new coaches, I like to see how they like when when things aren't going well. Like, how does he cuss somebody out? You know what I mean? Like, how does he chew somebody out? And just so just so I can see how they are at a ten, because right now he's probably at a two and three. I haven't seen the real him. Um, but I mean, even when Nagy came, it was like okay, he, he seems cool. But when when things aren't going well, like what does it look like when he gets mad and stuff like that? So um, I have yet to see that. But when it happens, I'll report to you, even if it's me. I like that. He's so introspective. So you know, I, I was there when he said that yesterday yeah. to Mark Mukamar, and and you you know you have notes, you're keeping notes, and I immediately made note of what, what he was saying. It's Vic wasn't a screamer. But he had that, uh, I mean, Joe could probably relate to this, that old, you know, what, what did they used to call him, the Godfather? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he had that Italian mobster feel about him. Pagano probably what are you trying has, to say, dude? Hey, just <laughs> throwing out stereotypes here. It's okay, it's okay. Hey, they, the Bears started it themselves. But P- Pagano's more personable than Fangio. Is, is that fair to say? A little bit more outgoing. Um, he's got I, more. He's, ways. he's got more to say. Yes, yes. But but Vic said a lot without saying much. Does that, that makes sense. Yes, that, that makes sense. Okay. Um, but Pagano probably says less, even though he's actually using more words. Correct. Well, well, like Fox, he said a ton, just didn't say anything. <laughs> I always go back to Fox anyway. Anyway, I think I, I and I got a column on this coming next week, um, where I'm going to argue the point. Forget your continuity for a second. I get the value of it. 
I think that's more important offensively. I think where this Bears defense is now, with the players they have now, the change could be a very good thing for the 2019 Chicago Bears defense. All right. Read about it at the Athletic next Tuesday. Yeah, I'm going to leave that as a teaser because it got that. Well, that was part of our conversation with Sean Desai yesterday too. Yes, yes. Um, so you'll be able to hear some of that later. What I found interesting with Pagano talking about this defense, specifically the personnel that he has, he was asked if there were any similarities to the great Ravens team that he used to coach. This was pretty in- I thought it was a pretty interesting answer from Chuck Pagano on that subject and how much he- how talented he thinks this group really is. Uh, there's a ton. Uh, again, I go back to, you know, the football character. We had a bunch of guys that um, that love love football and love playing for one another. The the football IQ um, is very very high. These guys study the game, they know the game, and they spend a lot of time uh, with each other studying the game. And then just, you know, from a uh, you know, athletic standpoint, uh, personnel standpoint, the, the team that, you know, Coach Nagy and, and Ryan have put together uh, front to back. I mean, you got you got speed, you got athleticism, you know, at all three levels. Uh, and they work great together. They communicate really well together. So um, you got to have pass rushers. We got that. You got to have corners you can cover. We got that. You got to have guys that, that can run and hit. And we've got that. So a lot of, lot of parallels there, a lot of similarities. The old coaching cliche, he loves football. You know, I'm, I'm done dismissing that. The more I've learned over the years from talking to executive scouts, whatever, is they spend so much time investing, trying to figure out how much these guys love football. Because you know what? Especially in the draft process. Oh, yes, that's what I mean. Some of these guys love the lifestyle mm-hmm. of a football player. Some of these guys love the attention. Some of them love the stardom that comes with it. The love of football it implies everything that goes into being a great football player, becoming a great team. You know, some of these guys aren't going to be superstars, but what they're willing to do to commit themselves to the team, that's a love for football. That's what these Bears scouts have spent so much time evaluating in terms of building this roster. So don't dismiss Pagano's words, oh, love of football, I football IQ. Don't, don't, don't do that. I've come around to that cliche actually having significant purpose in terms of culture. 14. Well, in, in whether or not you want to try to prove that's how big that is in all of sports or just within all of the NFL, the bottom line is that's what Ryan Pace has built this team on. That's what this team has been all about since he's gotten here. The guys he's drafted, the guys he's added in free agency. So that is what this team is about. That's not just Chuck Pagano coach speak right now. That is that is exactly what this is about. And, you know, you can narrow it down to specific players. Eddie Jackson right now on this defense is getting some high praise nationally, all pro season, and he probably deserves it. Um, a lot of coaches try to shy away from comparison, so I was kind of surprised that he won. He went as far as he did comparing this Bears defense uh, that he's coaching that hasn't played it down yet under him uh, to the Ravens in the past. But how about getting asked about Eddie Jackson? And Ed Reed. From a talent standpoint, um, very, very similar. Um, great instincts, got great range, uh, great ball skills. Um, you know, he's only, you know, three years into it. You know, so, you know, Ed, Ed has a lot more time on task, obviously. But um, he's got a lot of the, a lot of the same traits. And, um, he loves football. He's a football junkie. Uh, and again, he's, uh, I think, you know, the sky's the limit for, for a guy like that because he, you know, when you know 
you know, the defense and you know what you're doing and then you can spend all your time, you know, figuring out the offense and being one step ahead. That's where he's got, you know, an edge on everybody. It's very similar to to Reed. In terms of emerging leaders, Eddie Jackson might be overlooked. Did you hear his story about how him and Mitch went into the office at Alice Hall and help convince Aha Clinton Dix to sign with the Bears. That's the that's the next thing on our Look list at the here. Synergy. Yeah. Yeah, Eddie Jackson. Here, I'll let I'll let him tell the story. Yeah, me and Mitch, me and Mitch, we went in there, we told him, you know, man, like this I told him like this defense like Velma, man. He was like, Yeah, I know y'all got some dogs. So then, you know, Mitch told him like, man, we need you, you know, you just you know, a little sales pitching. We just told him about Coach Nagy, man, the type of coach he is. He let us have fun, he lets us be us and play with swag and he was already so you know, he was already a fan of this team, so it was it was kinda easy. Were these phone calls or texts or what how you said you went in there? How'd you do it? Yeah, we walked in the office. Oh, yeah, okay. the day he was here. Me and Mitch, they was here. I like that. We walked into the office. We, we were in the office. Well, I, you know, because Eddie Jackson, obviously, is known Haha Clint Dix since he went to Bama. Bama. Clint Dix actually helped recruit Eddie Jackson there. Um, so now it's the opposite. He's recruiting Clint Dix. So what does he do? He brings in the starting quarterback, and Mitch helps seal the deal. It's very, very interesting. Um, but yeah, to your point about being a leader. I, I think he's clearly showing that. Um, and then you heard what Eddie Jackson had to say there about this being like Bama, you know, and apparently that really resonated with Ha Ha Clint Dix. Here's Ha Ha. Uh, I trust everything he says to me, and I know he went a lot of me. So once he said it's like Bama, uh, I was ready to sign. Um, he's a great friend of mine, uh, playing across from him in Green Bay. Uh, we communicated every week about what we can do to get better after watching each other's film. And um, I'm just glad to be on the back end with him, man. It's, this is a special defense, man, and I'm glad to be a part of these guys. Has he reached his ceiling yet? No, hell no. He's not even close, man. Eddie has so much more to go. And, uh, you know, he's working to get better each and every day, man. There's a lot of things he can work on to get better, and he's excited about getting better. Could you see this potential in him when he was visiting Bama as a wide receiver recruit, I think it was? Well, when he was, I recruited him when he came to Bama, and uh, he was an athlete when I, when I met him. And uh, he's still an athlete now. You know, you can still put him on offense right now if you wanted to, and he can go deep with a deep ball. So, um, I mean, he's a hell of a player, man. He's an athlete, and, uh, man, I'm excited to be back down the back end with him. Who's the better recruiter, you or Eddie? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll say Eddie. Eddie. <laughs> You're a running back in high school. Have you already been approaching Nagy? You want to, you know, the defensive guys line up on offense. Um, me and Nike, we have something up, up our sleeve we're not going <laughs> to talk about right now. But um, just be on the lookout for me, man. If you see me out there, just wave at me. Well, if you're curious by what they mean, I don't think you – it's pretty obvious. I mean, well, we got to get, got to get the Bama package going on offense. Yeah, here. yeah. Well, okay. okay. I, I was going to reference the – like, Alabama's loaded, especially on defense, every single year. Sure. I mean – Top 10 picks, top 25 picks, top two-round picks, just just absolutely loaded. I mean, Eddie Jackson was a fourth-round pick. He was a start at Alabama. He got hurt, but that's why he's in the fourth round. But that's how deep Alabama is. That's what he's referencing. That's what they're referencing in terms of the Bears' defense, in terms of the talent level that they're seeing. At the NFL level, they see Bama-like players on the Bears' defense. Well, and he said the defense is similar, too. I mean, in terms of scheme, yeah. So I, hey, th- this is gonna be fun to watch, um, but with those two guys back there, and I, I mean, that's one of the things I'm most looking forward to seeing with this defense this year is just what those two safe. You know, you know how much I've been banging the table for safeties for like a decade. Yeah. So they finally got Eddie Jackson, Adrian Amos emerged into a pretty good player. Now this is gonna be fun here with Haha Clinton Dix yeah. next to Eddie Jackson, and uh, you know, one of the big questions here. 
It, look, all the Packer fans out there, and even even the Washington fans are like, oh, this guy hasn't tackled. He's been disappointed. Yeah, he was a Pro Bowler, but then he really slumped. Well, we keep pointing to the fact, though, that this is a one-year prove-it deal, and I, he's in a great defense. This is an outstanding situation to get paid. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, it would not shock me at all if Ha Clinton Dix ends up having another big season. I think the question, though, is how does how does that dynamic end up affecting his season? Um, you know, too, you sometimes you can put too much pressure on yourself. Sometimes. Uh, it could be fool's gold in free agency. I mean, this is what we talk about every year in free agency. Like, how are all the, if he has a big well, year? Well, he didn't really get how, gold. He got more like silver and bronze. Well, that's what I'm saying. But if he has a big year, how are other teams going to look at him in free agency next year? Right. right. You know, is he going to be priced out of the Bears' range considering they have to pay Eddie Jackson? Now, all this is far off. But to Shea Townsend, who's the Bears' new secondary coach, uh, you know, great player played with the Steelers, uh, well-respected rising coach right now. And he was asked about that dynamic, about this being a one-year prove-it deal for HaHa Clinton-Dix. I think the most important part is just to make the picture clear. Um, one thing about the NFL, if it's a one-year prove-it deal, whatever you said, it's every year is a prove-it year. You know, no matter how long you play, that better be your approach. Uh, you better come in every year to prove yourself. If you're not doing that, they'll go find a way to get rid of you. And then that's the thing that I can share with them because I've been there. You know, I played in the league. I can give them... <laughs> situations I can, you know, not, and they can, when I say it to them, they know I under, I, I'm coming from where they're coming from. And uh, that's the most important part is to, you know, let him know every day if I'm not coaching you, I'm not doing my job. So if you step wrong, it's my job to tell you you step wrong. If you're not running to the ball, it's my job to tell him you're run, not running to the ball. And that's what I'm going to give him. And, uh, and that's what he wants. You know, he wants to be coached. He wants to be a good football player. Um, he wants to be around good people. And, and now it's just time for him to relax and play ball. All that other stuff doesn't matter. The prove it deal, the money that comes, just go out and play, play ball and have fun and let it lay where it lay. If you play hard, if you play hard, that's all that matters. To go back to the Packers and, and Redskins arguments, yeah, with all due respect, HaHa Dix is joining a defense which is significantly better than those two units. And he's replacing a player with all due respect to A.J. Amos, who may have been maybe the eighth or ninth most valuable player on that defense. So it's important to to understand the context of that and understand what the expectations are for Clinton Dix in, in the Bears defense. Yeah. And I I think it's gonna work. And that's just my opinion going into this. I think I think that safety tandem just what I don't know how much of it I'm even pinning on Clinton Dix. I just I just think in this system with this much talent, with Khalil Mack up front, with Akeem Hicks up front, with Eddie Goldman up front, with Leonard Floyd, who we're about to talk to uh, talk about here, up front, I mean, good things just happen to safeties on the back end when all that's going on. So um, I, I think it's a good situation here for Clinton Dix, especially playing next to Eddie Jackson. Uh, all right, Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd is once again as we go into year four here with him and he did have his fifth year option picked up. So he's on board for two years. I think he had a much better 2018 season and availability was better. Production was better. However, the sacks still weren't uh, astronomical and Ted Monachino 
is a name you should get to know because he's the Bears' new senior defensive assistant, and he's going to be the guy working uh, with the Bears' pass rushers, okay? Uh, he has kind of a broader role than just a regular position coach. He's kind of Chuck Pagano's right-hand man here. They coach together in Indianapolis. He was Chuck Pagano's defensive coordinator in Indianapolis. Uh, was actually set to be coaching on the Kansas State staff. He just accepted a job, and then Chuck Pagano came calling. And uh, he was actually out recruiting when the phone call came in. And uh, it was just an opportunity he couldn't pass up to get back to the NFL. So Ted Monacino is a guy who's really not going to be working with Leonard Floyd and trying to get the most out of him this season. And this is kind of an extended chunk from Ted Monacino yesterday, who you're going to hear is a pretty good talker and somebody interesting um, to hear from. But listen to him on Leonard Floyd when he was asked, basically, Floyd's done some, done some good things here, but the sacks haven't necessarily been there. Is he just going to be a good pass rusher who's just never a double-digit sack guy? I think the sacks will come. I think I think Leonard, as a pure, natural pass rusher, has a bigger toolbox than anybody else I'm coaching right now. Okay? That's... that's I want everybody to understand what I just said, right? The better rusher right now is 52, right? But the natural pass rush ability, the pass rush gene... 94 has it. As he gets better at one or two things, his numbers will go up. And the thing that may happen first are the effective rushes, right? He may get, he may affect the quarterback. He may affect the launch point. He may affect move a guy off the spot. But the more of those that come along, the more productive rushes he's going to have and the more he's going to get home and finish. Uh, right now, we're focused on just a couple of things with Leonard. And it's not because he can't handle more. It's because we want to build his toolbox in a way that this is my go-to. This is the counter off of it. Is it an issue at all? And I know he's not. He just looks skinny. And I know he's added some strength since he got here. Is power a concern or an issue, no. or is it just not putting it together? If, if you put him in a phone booth against a big offensive tackle, yes. Power and strength is a problem. But his length and his explosiveness in a short space, those things are all, they negate all of that other disadvantage. Um, as a power rusher at the top of the pocket, I don't think he's going to have any problem. I don't think he's ever been groomed that way. I, I, there's a couple things I believe in as a pass, as coaching pass rushers, is that pass rush is about effort and violence. That's what it's about, and it's all about how we finish at the top of the pocket. Because guys don't run around other players in this league. Players are too good, so we got to get him really good at how's he going to clear and how's he going to finish. Right, so I know you've had limited time with the players so far, but we've been around Leonard for what three, four years now. Never seen him look violent. I mean, yeah. Is temperament part of it, too? I, mean, uh, I have already seen it in the first okay. two days of OTAs. Okay. Yeah. Could that have also been an issue of, you know, you had the hand thing last year. He was coming off a knee injury. Is it? Did you notice maybe him getting more violent, sort of, as the season went on? Is he maybe trusted that? I, I think maybe you look you look at it a little differently. Yeah, you say explosive, right? You say... Um, you say the burst and the, the short area, quickness, those things. He is certainly explosive, and you did see that grow as the year went on. And I think he's picked up right where he left off. I don't think he's got to take one step back to take three more steps forward. I think he's going to start right where he left off, and then he's going to he's going to fly out. Talking sort of on top of that, he, we talked Thank on you. the field with him, and he said that he was trying to sort of simplify things. And people always talk about coaching, as you know, it's A, B, C, and D. Are there specific challenges of maybe teaching a guy to not necessarily do less, but sort of trust himself? 
yourself a little more sure. than just going on technique? Ab- well, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's our it's our goal to make sure that each player's world fits that set, right? Whatever that need, whatever that need is. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make it so he can compartmentalize a ton of calls mm-hmm. and say these 15 calls are all exactly the same. Okay, so that's that's one way we can simplify. The other way we can simplify is give him jobs that are simple, right? Let him let him rush on first and second down, right? Let him cover in the lower parts of the field where he knows he's got help deep, right? Let's do some of those things with him so he can have a great deal of confidence doing those. So those I don't have to simplify anything. This is this is the system and this is how I teach. Okay, but we're going to get him there where he can say, "Okay, I, this this is a yawner. I got this. This is no problem." Right? And because he's going to he will have done it a thousand times and he will have seen all those different pictures before he has to actually execute in a game. All right, so there's a lot in there uh in that about three and a half minute chunk from Ted Monacino on Leonard Floyd. But let's go back to what he was talking about at the beginning. Because he said that Leonard Floyd has the most tools of anybody. Let, let, let's play it again, so, just so we're clear. Just that part on, on what he was saying about the toolbox being the best of any pass rusher on the team. I think the sacks will come. I think I think Leonard, as a pure natural pass rusher, has a bigger toolbox than anybody else I'm coaching right now. Okay, that's that's. I want everybody to understand what I just said, right? The better rusher right now is 52, right? But the natural pass rush ability, the pass rush gene, 94 has it. I like how he like repeated the audio. He made it clear that we heard what he was saying. Yeah. Well, that's smart for him. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm still not totally sure I agree with it, but I get what he's trying to say. That makes sense. Like, I mean, Leonard Floyd has always had that those tools. That doesn't mean the results are going to be there. Right. I mean, that's why he got drafted where he did. That's why the Bears traded up to get him in the top ten of the draft. So, yeah, the tools have been there. Mac is obviously the better rusher right now. So, what they got to do is. Get it all to work, I guess. I mean, here's the thing. I don't really have many negative things to say about Leonard Floyd's 2018 season. I thought he had a good year. He was great against the run. And the other thing is, as long as Cleo Mack's out there, he doesn't need to be an all-pro. I mean, you'd love to have him be an all-pro because you used a top-10 draft pick, but he's far from a bust. And I thought bust was still on the table as we went into the 2018 season. And to me, he crossed that off. He's he's a player. And so he's fine where he is in the role that he's in. But he does have untapped potential. And I think that's what Monacino was trying to get at. Well, there's been so many times where you felt like he was close mm-hmm. last year. Split second, too late, and the ball is off. Now maybe they changed the spot. Maybe they changed the launch point, all that stuff. But he was a split second slow for a fast guy. Maybe it's developing a better counter move. Because you saw sometimes if, if his first move didn't work, he got eaten, eaten up a little bit. But look, I, I'm with you. Last year was a big season for Leonard Floyd. And I liked what he did. Was he fantastic? No. Was he great? Yeah, some games. But he did enough, well, for, for one, for the Bears to pick up his fifth-year option. But for, but for me, as a concerned analyst, observer, 
from durability to his performances, he, he won me over as a player. He can play. Yeah, I think so too. Now, I still have questions about where he's going to fit in, um, you know, long term. He's he's in for two years, okay. So he and he's going to be making a lot of money in that um, that second that year. that's that fifth year, technically of his contract. But the twenty twenty season is a huge number, okay. So if he takes another step forward here, you think they want to lock him up into a longer term deal that would reduce his cap number. However, again, we keep talking about there's only so many guys you can sign here. So yeah, well, it's, it's going to be. Well, I, I, I think the them picking up the option is significant to begin with anyway. You got two second-round picks next year, do you not? I mean, you have avenues to change your pass rushers if need be. You have Cleo Mack's massive contract on your books. Right. That is the best reason not to pick up another hefty contract, to pick up, what is it, $15 million or something for Leonard Floyd. It's a lot of money committed to two players who play the same position. Right. I get it. But the Bears still see something. They see a late bloomer. Coming to his own. Yeah, and I think that's happened. So we'll see how that, that relationship with Monticino and Floyd will be something big to watch this season. That's why I wanted to make sure we play that for you. Okay, I promise we're going to get to the Bears 100 conversation. There's another assistant coach, though, I want you to hear from. We want you to hear from because we had a chance to talk to Sean Desai together. For those of you who don't know, Sean Desai has kind of been behind the scenes for a while now. He came in with Mark Trestman, yeah. right? Yeah. Wasn't he even in 2012? No, no, he came in the the first year of Trestman, I believe. Yes, okay, yes, confirmed. Yes, confirmed. All right, um, but he's been here for a while. Quality control, and with the coaching staff changes this year, was promoted to coach the safeties. So um, Townsend is the secondary coach, but Sean Desai is the safeties coach. All right, um, so kind of working under Townsend. And, but he's been around. He's seen a lot. You know, he's he's seen this defense be really, 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 really bad uh, under Mark uh, Bell Tucker and the whole Mark Trestman situation. He's seen it evolve under Vic Fangio, and now he's going to have a little bit more of a hands-on approach as a coach uh, under this defense with this much talent. So I think it's an interesting conversation. And uh, and and y- you started this conversation coming back to something you brought up earlier with the idea of can all this change actually be a good thing for the defense? That's a good question. I think, one, I think there's a misconception about change, right? I think there's a stereotype about change being negative, and I think I think it's really the opposite. I think change really provides a spark in most organizations. I mean, you go back through history and study organizations, and that's what they say, right? The successful Fortune 500s usually have a pivotal point of where they change. And so when you have a new voice or a new thing, it's just refreshing sometimes, you know, and, and you're able to learn different things, learn, you know, I mean, we may be all saying the same thing, and that's what Tashay said says all the time, you know, when we're uh, coaching together out there, he's like, you know, they might hear it better from you the way you're saying it. Yeah. But we're saying the same thing. Yeah. But, you know, people respond to different voices and different ways of teaching uh, differently. And so that's all you're trying to do, right? You're just yeah. trying to get get the guys to understand what we're trying to do uh, yeah. as an organization, as a system, and then uh, get them to connect with that, and then so they can go out and play and perform. As far as going the opposite, then, like, keep some, keeping some things the same, I mean, what advice could you and, like, Jay provide Chuck, because he gets to know you know some of these yeah. guys. You've been here a long time. Like, what can you provide 
the, the new guys, the right? Guys, your new coaches, yeah. You know, I I, th- I think the, the the biggest thing that we can provide is maybe our prior history knowledge with these guys. You know, like for me, like like I mentioned before, you know, I take pride in my teaching, so maybe learning styles and, and how to approach a teaching moment. You know, when we got to get a point across, what to do and how to do that. But uh, in, in terms of that, you know, we're here and we're all in. With, with what we're doing moving forward you know and so that's the biggest thing that we can provide is to make sure that we're all pulling that rope together in the same direction we are and I think that's a that's a testament to obviously Coach Nagy and Coach Chuck of creating that environment where we can all do that together for, for you what's it to, to have a position now you know to, to kind of move up the, the ladder yeah. it's pretty cool I mean just, just take us through what's this like yeah. for you now to be at this point you know I mean when you first started here with, with Mark it seems like a different world ago but like now here we here we are I mean, right. what's the path been like for you? well uh, it's humbling yeah. you know uh, and I'm grateful to obviously Coach Nagy and, and, and everybody here Coach Chuck for giving me the opportunity to do that Deshae's been outstanding uh, you know and that's what you want to do right uh, I've always believed in working hard and doing your role and being great at that role and then you hope people see it and if there's an opportunity to grow uh, you can grow from that and, and Coach Nagy provide that opportunity to grow and, and I think that was great for him uh, and, I, and I, hope, uh, I hope I can live up to his expectations of that role I think one thing we're all kind of looking forward to seeing is how Eddie Jackson and Ha Clinton Dix work together in tandem, not only because of their history together, but also their styles are pretty similar too. And um, But I think that the safety position continues to evolve, right, in the NFL, where you don't necessarily have to be labeled as a box safety or sure. a free safety. I mean, how? obviously it's really early here, but how, how are you envisioning that working with those two guys? Well, I, well the first thing, you know, obviously Ha uh, is a great addition to our room uh, he's got a lot of experience and that's that's great but uh, the one thing that you know I want to keep emphasizing is that we're all about competition you know so to, to be able to get all that talent that we have back and we got a lot of talent Deion Bush is talented DeAndre Houston Carson is talented Sherrick McManus is talented obviously Eddie and Ha Ha you know the guys that you mentioned are talented so to bring all those talented people back there and then give them the reps and get them to grow together and learn together and, and mix up the rotation so they're all playing together and communicating with each other I think that's the power in it, is when you have that much talent back there, uh, is to get them to all work together and grow, and then we'll let the outcomes be as they may. You know, but that's, that's that process of being able to bring everybody together and compete in a healthy fashion that's productive for all of us. I think that's uh, you can't beat that. In terms of their skill sets and, and, and talent, I mean, everyone's got different degrees of they're better at certain things than others. But just they have two guys that are that can cover that that have been described as, as rangy at some point in their careers in today's NFL. How beneficial is that when you have so uh, these tight ends, these move tight, uh, so many different things attacking? Yeah. You know, how beneficial is that to have guys like that? I think it goes back to this, the the point I was making earlier: is that the more that your guys can do, yeah. uh, the better you are. Uh, you can do a lot of stuff with disguising. You can do a lot of stuff with coverages, uh, and that that provides benefits. And and uh, you know, th- there's there's always this kind of misconception that you know a guy's rangy, so he can't be a box guy, yeah. or a guy's a box guy, so he can't be rangy. You know, and I think I think that's the misconception. That's kind of uh, and maybe maybe it's media driven, maybe it's public driven you know a fan driven but you know all of our guys go through the same drills and they're expected to play at the same level so if they end up in the box and they got to make a tackle yeah. every single person's held to that same standard of making that tackle you know if they're playing in the deep part of the field 
every single person is held to that same standard. And then I think that's what you can create when you have that competition. You have guys that can do a lot of roles. Well, one guy you've you've been around for a while is Sherrick McManus. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to him a little bit today since yeah. he's working at safety. Yeah. All of a sudden, he just said he wants to continue to be able to be a guy who can do everything. What, what have you seen from him at that spot? And what makes you think that that's a position that he can move into, even though he's 31 years old? Right. Uh, so age shouldn't matter. You know, uh, uh, knock that one right off the bat. Age shouldn't matter. Uh, the part that matters is your brain, you know, and your ability to work and move. And he does a great job of preparing himself physically so he's ready for the season. And then mentally he does a great job of trying to prepare. So I think uh, the way this league is going, the more um, more roles you can hold and the more stuff that you can do is your adding value to your organization. You know, so if you can learn safety, learn nickel, play dime, play X, play, play all these things, play special teams, whatever it is, uh, you're just adding value to yourself. And it helps our defense. All right, so we covered the McManus stuff earlier in the podcast, but there, you, you know, you hear from the guy who will be coaching him as a safety um, with that position move. So we're not going to spend too much more time on that, but wanted to make sure you heard from Sean Desai and uh, some of these assistant coaches. So yeah, there it is. A lot to get through there. Is that enough for you football crazy people? I don't think so. It is a football because we still have a list to argue. About. Oh, that's right. That's right. Can't forget about the list. That list is being ripped to shreds by All the right. likes of John Yurkovich and Dan McNeil. Oh, is it? Yes. And they're probably everybody more, loves. And, and guess what? Those two guys are more qualified than we are. Yes, to talk yes, about they all are. Stuff. yes, they are. Because I'm not going to lie. True. There's a lot of names on here I am not allowed to talk about. Okay, for those I'm of, not allowed to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been banned from talking about them. No, oh, yeah. uh, look. The Bears put together a top 100 list all time of players. It was Dan Pompey and um, Don Pearson. Don Pearson, Jesus. Hall of Fame. Yeah. Sorry, my mind was just blank. Yeah, two amazing Hall of Fame writers, Don Pearson and, uh, and Dan Pompey. Put this list together. They are way more qualified, too, than we are to do this. So I give them a ton of credit. And the problem with putting lists together. Uh, whether it's just like ranking top 25 college football teams every week, okay, is you think you got it, and then you get to a point where you're done, and then you go, oh, wait a minute. Is the number 19 team really better than the number 21 team? Like when you start comparing them head-to-head, you come up with all these counter-arguments to what you were thinking when you were just putting them in a list. So I told myself, as this list started to get revealed earlier this week, that I was not going to get angry about it, okay? Because I have a lot of respect for the work that these guys did. Um, and then, sure enough, you know, the first day it came out, and I'm like, okay, Patch, you're really putting a long snapper at number 100. Week. The longest tenure Bears player ever, guys. Don't care. Okay. So that's what, I mean, What is that your, so that's your criteria, I mean... I guarantee you longevity was taken into consideration for some of these guys. But in other places, it doesn't seem to be. Well, you had to inject some of the new guys. Okay. Spill your beef. Um, I, I mean, that's not my beef. Uh, Eddie Jackson had a great season. Is he already one of the top? Well, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, but they had to inject some of the new guys. Right. Akeem Hicks is on there. He's been well, the I'm just saying, pro these, ball. These are not things I'm angry about, but it was just like I told myself, I'm not going to get angry about stuff. Um, 
this is exactly what I'm talking about when you start comparing two guys head to head. I'm sorry, but Brandon Marshall is better than Alshon Jeffrey as a bear. It's true. Okay, but Jeffrey's ranked one spot ahead of him. Alshon's 80th, and Brandon was 81. Now, do you drop him a, a, a spot because he was kind of a contentious character? Well, that's the thing. I just I don't know. Results all matter, right? Results got to matter. All right, like, yeah. I mean, was Jeffrey a better teammate? Probably. I, I, that's the thing. And then, you know, Akeem Hicks. This is what I'm talking about. This is not worth, like, kind of dissecting every single thing here. But I don't know. To me, Akeem Hicks has been more impactful than Kyle Long over – not to his not, not to anyone's fault. Kyle Long's been banged up. Uh, but Akeem Hicks has been out there and been dominant. So, but Hicks is behind Long. Okay, fine. I'm not going to, again, not going to get upset about that one. You know, honestly, though, my grades last year had Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack pretty close together. And Akeem Hicks has been doing this here in Chicago for a lot longer than Khalil Mack has. Khalil Mack's ranked 60th, and Akeem Hicks is 75th. Like, that's one that, over the course of their career, who's better? Sure, but yeah. if we're going to well, talk... Well, that's the problem. You're this doing is what I'm talking this about, like, a, longevity, yeah, yeah. though. The guy's been here for two minutes, yeah. and What's he's already number list? 60. I'll tell you one thing. Everybody be better be buying this book if we're all talking right. about right. it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the Cutler... Give my guy Dan Pompey a shout-out here. Read his column in The Athletic about yeah, it. Yeah, he's going to have a column, I guess, explaining a lot of this. It's, it's impossible to do all that. I mean, because they must have been having these exact same conversations. Jay Cutler at 85. That's a joke. Explain. I mean, there are so many players on here, and like you guys said, I, I totally respect what they did, and part of putting out a list like this is is to get the discussion going and, and to promote a, an upcoming book. But, I mean, until Trubisky, you know, ascends to where we think he will... Jake Cutler's the best quarterback this organization has ever seen. I mean... He's got all the records. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Sid Luckman came in at four today. Yeah. How many titles does Sid Luckman have, though? And I get it. Titles should matter. Yes. If you you look at that top ten list, and I know one of the other points is that Brian Urlacher is not in the top ten. Okay. That's what I was building. Okay. Because all this stuff I'm talking about... Not that upset about it. I think you. I have little tiny arguments here and there. Um, could Lance Briggs be higher than 28th? I don't know. Absolutely. You know what, one, one I like, though, Devin Hester in the top 20. I, I wouldn't even object to him going higher. I, that's how good of it. Changed the game. I, to me, Charles sh- Tillman, too. Changed the game. I always say this. Devin Hester is the most exciting player I've ever watched. On the Chicago Bears. Not the best, but the most, the one guy that I had to stop and look at the television or look up in the press box every single time I knew he was going to touch the ball was Devin Hester. Okay. Now, for most people, uh, they'd probably say the same about Walter Payton. I never got to see Walter Payton play in person. So, um, but Walter Payton deservedly, I think they got that one right, is, is number one. But you're going to tell me that Brian Urlacher, Who's the best player I've seen in my day on the Bears? Mm-hmm. Okay, me too. First ballot Hall of Famer, one of the best linebackers of all time in football. You have him fourteenth. I thought he was a shoe in for top five. A shoe in t- for top five. 
Yeah, we mock how much the 85 defense is brought up in this town. But I think if you talk to any player on that defense, they would say that no matter what, you could find a spot for Brian Urlacher to start on that team, whether that's at safety or, you know, at linebacker where the guy right behind him is like he would he'd start over Singletary on the 85 defense. I, I don't really think there's a question about it. For the record, Singletary's 15th on this list. So they did give the nod to Urlacher head to head. Um and Dick Buckus is is number two. Well, he's kind of a, an icon. I'll, I'll say this: a lot of those guys that are above Urlacher are champions. Well, Sid Luckman, just look it up. Four time champion, right? Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I get it. Right? You have to take champions in championships into a, a account here. Weren't Dick Buckus though and Gale Sayers on some pretty bad football teams? Yeah, the, uh, Buckus didn't win win anything. Yeah, a championship. No, and he's number two. So if that's your criteria, I, I'm. I just I I'm fine if you put Buckus ahead of Erlacher. I don't think there's a 12 spot gap between them. You know what I'm saying? Like so, again, a lot of stuff. Not angry. I think it's fun fodder. We're talking about it. Good arguments it's great here. For dialogue. There. Yes. Uh, the fact that Cutler came in at 85th on the Bears' own list is you know just sort of funny too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just <laughs> I, I was calm until I saw this about an hour before we started recording this morning. Erlacher. At number fourteen, it, it it just boggles my mind. Well, well, we we definitely have some recency bias because again, that's our point of view. But who's a better that's, player, Brian Urlacher or Mike Dicka? Well, who's a better player? Well, well, okay, player. Well, that this is a player list. So is yeah, Dicka getting yeah. credit for being the coach? Probably. And by the way, he wasn't that great of a coach. Probably, I, I think he's actually listed as a partially coach of the year on there. He's, I mean, he won coach of the year in terms of the press release. But he, I he was listed. This was a player list. Well, I know because George Halas is an on himself who would you know, right. So if we're an doing that himself, yes, exactly. But I'm pretty sure in the press release, yeah, and one NFL coach of the year, Dick. Yes, it, it's listed there amongst the on the press release itself. So just and, sure. and we talked about this when we uh, when they were talking about retiring the jerseys, and you know, Papa Bear is the guy who put this whole thing together. There's no bears without him, but. I mean, the, the the initials are already on the sleeve, you know, and now he's the number set 37th player in, in Bears history. Like, I, what position did he even play? <laughs> I'm serious. Like, this guy, the, the number seven is retired from, from the yeah. Bears. You can't wear number seven. And now he's like a top 40 player in the entire organization. Listen, man, we, we love you. You know, this is you're, you're, the, you're the guy. You're the godfather of the Bears. But, I mean, come on. How much credit do we have to give you? Just because you played doesn't mean you're the best. <laughs> it, 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 these are fun arguments to have. It's a fun list to look at. Um, I just, man, I I consider Erlacher to be one of the top. Well, for our generation, he's yeah. the greatest bear that we've seen. Well, so he, to me, that's uh, it, there's 100 years. Um, so Erlacher represents a fifth. Our generation, I would think, is at least a fifth of the Bears' history. Yes. You should be in the top five. Yes. Okay, let's just, we could do math like that. I'm not a math major, but we could do it like that. <laughs> we could just look at the film. I'm not going to lie. I've looked at, you know, I don't, a lot of these guys have never seen play. Yeah. So I'm not, right. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not qualified to make this big. I, I, think I feel he, like I am qualified to say Brian Urlacher is much better than I, top 14 I, Bears. I'll, I'll say this. It seems like they listed them or at least kept in context of what these players were in their certain eras. Like yeah. as as great as Brian Urlacher was, you still had like a Ray Lewis. 
Well, you have to keep in account the eras and grade on some type of curve. But at the same time, yes, because football's expanded, but yes. Because, I mean, (laughs) today, um, like, Erlacher would probably be, if Erlacher was playing in Sid Luckman's days, He'd probably start a quarterback over Sid Luckman. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean. Yes, like, yes. The game, the, these players are so much better now, and so you There's can't. So many more of them. There's more. Yes, yes. It's it, you know. So you gotta you gotta work in the era somehow, obviously, because um, you know you could make an argument otherwise that like uh, I don't know um, Bradley Soul. <laughs> you know, it, it should be on the top 100 list of players. I don't know. Um, all right, we gotta go. I'm out. That's it. One more. Matt Forte, way too low at 34. Just going to say that. That's the last one. Think you should be higher? Absolutely. Okay. I think Tillman at 31 could be higher, too. Mm-hmm. Change the game. Yeah, I think so. so. But again, maybe that's all recency bias. To me, Erlacher goes beyond recency bias. Yes. That's how good he was. Hall of Famer. Um, the other thing is Dan Pompey could not be more qualified to rank Brian Erlacher. Yes. I mean, he did the the Hall of Fame. He's the one who made the argument. The from the, yes, yes. That's what's, yes. So, again, so surprising about That's him. why you should read Dan Pompey's column about his 100 list on the athletic soon enough. Maybe Don Pearson like has this hot take that Erlacher's like, not a Hall of Famer. Ooh, we don't know about it. Ooh. I'm just kidding. That's Tease. I don't, I don't know. Otherwise, we'll I don't see. know how it makes sense. I don't know how it makes sense. I was a math major. I wasn't, actually. but Either way, not an easy list to put together. No total respect to these guys i could never do it um and it's serving its purpose that's for sure yes yes congratulations chicago radio stations yes you're welcome free topic you're welcome i rick morrissey you're welcome dan bernstein you're welcome i purposely moved this to the back of the podcast though because i want to make sure we concentrate on the football from otas mine goes in the top 20 (laughs) jd thinks that that's perfect that he should be there I don't know. We got to go. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, at Joey Joe Rowe. Please read us. Subscribe, rate, review the podcast. We appreciate you doing that. Don't forget our live show. Call in 312 222 5050. That's how you get the spots. We'll talk to you next week. I'd like to start by speaking directly to our friend. 